Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. I love Pastor Derry's message last week, and I, I hope so many of you did as well. And, and we are so looking forward to what we have coming next week with Pastor Dick Foth and the kids. But for a moment, I want to return to something we were talking about actually two weeks ago with, with the cosmos holding God, the, the bigness, the vastness of God. And I want us to remember that. Because as today, as we shift and we turn to talking about God as our friend, if we forget what we learned a couple of weeks ago, we miniaturize God. If we forget how big, how vast, how how amazing and awesome God is, Jesus just turns into our homeboy or, or buddy Jesus. No, the Jesus that I can call my friend is simultaneously and at all times the cosmos holding God in his nail-scarred hands. That will make Jesus as our friend all the more shocking. What do you do with a friend? You confide, you trust, you hang out with a friend, you, you have fun with a friend. In my case, it probably involves people making fun of me, but I'm not sure how much God actually does that. Confide, trust, hang out, have fun. Are there any of those pieces of friendship that you have a a difficulty imagining doing with a right-sized God? Maybe for you, this is the difference today in knowing about God and knowing God personally, like as a friend. So I want us to take each of those step-by-step, each of those aspects of what it means to be a friend. First, confide. Do you you have your problem envisioning confiding in a right-sized, massive God? I don't know about you, but that, that actually seems to fit. That one doesn't, it's not hard for me when I, when I go through scripture and I hear what God has to say about my relationship with him, confiding in a right-sized God sounds about right. So these verses don't, don't rub me the wrong way. Uh, Psalm 73, verse 23 through 26. The psalmist says, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is an overflowing of a, a psalmist that understands I can rightly confide in this God. Similarly, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, confide in him, and he will make straight your paths. So we can, we should, we must confide in God. That one doesn't seem like much of a stretch for me. How about the opposite? Is the opposite true? We can confide in God. Does God choose to confide in us? 
Well, just pick up a, an apocalyptic or a prophetic book and God is constantly sharing with us, here's how I think, here's how I feel about this thing. We confide in God and God chooses to confide in us. So how about trust? Hopefully we know that a, that a mutual friendship is built on trust. Clearly, as we saw in that passage in Proverbs, we are supposed to trust in the Lord with everything that we are. So we, we clearly are supposed to not only confide in God, but trust God. How about the other way around? Does God choose to trust us? Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. Well, we're not, we're certainly not worth, worthy of it, but, but our God chooses to trust us. All of history is, is an explanation, a shocking explanation about how our God chooses to involve us and entrust things to us and, and help us participate in the things that he is doing. Maybe you're familiar with the, the parable of the talents that Jesus taught. It's this, it's this heart of God entrusting with his people valuable, incredibly valuable things. And then he trusts, he depends. He expects us to do something with those things. So yes, we can confide in God and shockingly, God chooses to confide in us. We can trust God and God chooses to trust us. But how about hanging out with God? <laughs> can you envision a right-sized God just hanging out like a friend? What about having fun with God? Can you envision a right-sized God having fun like a friend? It kind of seems like the answer there is no, 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 he's too big. Or, or God is too serious, or it would actually be disrespectful or irreverent for me to view God that way. It kind of seems like I'm afraid that there are some of us, willingly or unintentionally, that feel like if God ever caught us having fun, we need to stop in our tracks and repent. None of that. Like, that's the kind of posture that God takes to us. Does does the God that wants to have fun with you seem to fit into your faith relationship? Maybe you know how to have fun without God. What about having fun with God? Fun with the smile and even the participation of God Almighty in your life. Does that fit in your relationship with God? Fortunately for us, God doesn't leave us guessing as to how we're supposed to relate to him. God tells us throughout his self-revelation of scripture, this is who I am, this is what I'm like, and this is how you are supposed to relate to me. He gives us scripture as his self-expression, and then even better than that, even more fully, he has given us Jesus. This is the, the joy, the great gift that we honor and celebrate at Advent anticipating Christmas, that God gave us his very self, lived out in our world to show us what he is like, to show us how we can relate to him. 
So let's make sure that whatever conclusions we arrive at in how we're supposed to relate to God, we're not left guessing. We're primarily using scripture and seeing through the lens of Jesus Christ in how mankind is supposed to relate to God. Exodus 33, verse 11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And then James 2, 23, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Well, yeah, but that's, that's Moses and Abraham. We can't all be Moses and Abraham, right? We can't all be fathers of the faith, these great, high, righteous figures. So let's look at Jesus. Whenever we want to interpret or extend scripture, let's, let's look at how Jesus relates and extends these things. Listen to what he says in John 15, starting in verse 13. He teaches, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And then he extends it longer. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. You still got that, that right-sized God in your soul? Still got that image, what we said in the beginning, don't lose or miniaturize who God is and what he is like. If you still have the cosmos holding God in mind, what Jesus just said is shocking. Jesus takes what might have otherwise been extended to the special and the righteous few that God chooses to use. And he says, I'm going to extend it to all who embrace a relationship with me. That God does not consider you and I merely as servants, but invites us in as friends is astonishing. It's unprecedented. What religion, what God would not merely command obedience and worship, but actually invite us in as friends? Religion would make you respond. Religion would make you obey. Religion might even seek your happiness. But your friendship? That's incredible. God is our promised friend. That is one of the most underrated attributes of God, and it should rock our world this Advent. You and I have an everyday use of the term friends. But Jesus' demonstration of, of the friendship that God invites us into bursts out way beyond all that. Okay, okay, God is our promised friend. Even if I can somehow get that catchy tune that we started with out of my head, I'll take it. Jesus is my friend. But have you really explored those seemingly irreverent or disrespectful aspects of friendship? And don't jump all over me. I said seemingly disrespectful. We'll, we'll continue this point soon. So I want us to try to explore some of those more bizarre things that, that being a friend with God entails. In fact, I want to ask the question, how do we have fun with God? How do we have fun with God? 
Because if we can see how we're invited to do that, if we can see that that actually is a part of his desired relationship with us, it will change the nature of your faith and your friendship with God. When I, when I come home and I try to search the house for my kids just to wrestle with them or smack them around with a pillow or, or join in their Fortnite game, when I do those things, what am I doing? I'm engaging with my kids at their level. The parent that does that, that's an act of love. I am meeting them on their level. It's an expression of love. As Dick Foth, who we're going to hear from next weekend, says it, the giant coming down to play is an act of love. And if it's a part of love, it comes from God because God is the origination of love. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone that does not love does not know God, because God is love. If it's a part of how we love one another, and we can see that a loving parent will get down on their kid's level and engage with them, and that's an expression of love, then that's a reflection of who God is and what he is like. And it probably shouldn't be surprising, but, but maybe it is. I, I see some playful, loving nature in Jesus. John 2, 6 through 10, I see Jesus making a lot of wine, and really good wine at that, for people at a party that had already had their fill. Now, don't make this into something it's not. This isn't permissive drunkenness. This is a God that catches his people having fun. He shows up on the scene and people are having fun celebrating. What does he do? He participates with them. He joins in. Luke 24, this may be, this is kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. I see a smirking, playful Jesus even after the resurrection. Oh, that's, that's too serious of a situation. That's too serious and pressure-packed of a time. I see Jesus walking alongside of a few men on the road to Emmaus. And these men are, are recounting for him everything that had happened. He goes, hey guys, what, what's going on? What, what's going on? They say, have you not heard everything that happened in Jerusalem? Good Friday, Easter Sunday, the rumors, everything that happened. And Jesus is walking with these two guys. And the Bible tells us that it wasn't until he sat down with these men and broke bread with them that they went, oh, and they recognized who he is. And what did he do once they recognized who he is? Vanished, <laughs> disappeared. That's funny. That's comical. Stuffy believers might look at that and push back and say, you can't do that with the resurrected Jesus. He's too important. He's too holy to think he's being anything like playful. I happen to disagree. I happen to think that Jesus is so immersed in the joy and the unbridled peace and, and promise of what these guys are going to get into, that, that he chooses to engage with them ironically and comically and even laughingly, kind of like a highly graduated game of hide and seek. <laughs> Come and seek me further. When you and I have this stingy, stale impression of the kind of life that God invites us into, I think we're missing a huge part 
of what Jesus means when he said in John 10, 10, I came, this is Jesus's self-declared mission. I came that they, my people, may have life, could have stopped there, and have it abundantly. Come on, that has to be shocking, this Advent, that our God did not just choose to come to us, did not just choose to come down our, on our level and make a way for us to salvation. He chose to give a kind of a life to us, not just get something from us. How many of us only have a view of God that he just wants something from me? And Jesus is saying, I also came to give something to you. What is that? Abundant life. It's a reciprocal relationship Jesus is after. Earlier, we said that a friend confides, trusts, hangs out, has fun. Jesus shows us that the promised friendship with God doesn't just want something from us. He also wants to bring something to us. Shake off stuffy religion. Life with God is in no way intended as a less than life. Life with God is better than any kind of life that this world can even try to offer. Although maybe we're going to need some spiritual maturity in understanding what better actually means. That's the kind of abundant life that Jesus wants to give to us. A rich, joy-filled fun life with Jesus walking alongside of us and all that is mixed into and seasoned over the more weighty aspects of our faith. It's amazing. Hopefully we can have at least started to accept that we can have fun with God. So I wanna, I wanna circle back to that question that I asked. How can we have fun with God? Okay, maybe you've, you've come to accept we can confide in God, that makes sense. We can trust God, that makes sense sense and all of that's reciprocal. Maybe even, hey, God is always with me. So I guess that means in, in kind of the boring times and just the times that I'm just going through life, God is with me then too. So yeah, we can hang out with God too. But how can we have fun with God? It's going to start with a posture of being like a child. First answer I'm going to propose is be like a child with God. As I'm running around the house searching for my kids just to smack them with a pillow, that's an expression of a father coming and playfully engaging with his children. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time. That the loving almighty father chose to, to smile and come be among his children. That's an act of love. And his children then should relate to him like a child. It's no wonder that Jesus said over and over and over that to enter the kingdom of God, you need to be righteous? No. To enter the kingdom of God, you need to be like a child. Matthew 18, 3. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19, verse 14, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And then 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the father has given to us, not requires from us, given to us that we should be called children of God. 
One of the most lighthearted sermon series I've ever been a part of was a series we did at Timberline Church a couple of years back called Like a Child, where we explored all the many ways that God invites us to enter his kingdom with the posture, the openness, the vulnerability, the dependency, the fun of a childlike relationship. Even to the skeptic, even to the spiritually apathetic or the distracted heart here, be open to friendship with God like a child. Other relationships might have made you more closed, shut down, or even shamed for actually opening up. Your relationship with your heavenly father invites you to be open, invites you to be vulnerable, invites you to be just receptive and dependent on him like a child is to a loving father. Be open to friendship with God like a child. So when Timberline calls ourselves a fun church with a serious mission, we're not just trying to make that an attractional statement. Like, hey, come be a part of this. It's fun and it's serious. We got best of both worlds. No, we're trying to reflect the heart of God. He's a fun God. And you're not gonna get that kind of dynamic in your relationship with him if you're not open and vulnerable to him and his leading on your heart like a child. The kind of life he wants to give to us. The people of the church that allow God to be week one of our advent right-sizing God in our hearts. And then week two of Advent, allowing God to shepherd us and guide us. And then this week, that God is our promised friend. The people of the church that actually live that message out to the community around us, that's compelling. I think people in our world will accept our invitation if we live like that. So in addition to being like a child with God, I think there's one other way I wanna propose that we can actually have fun with God, practically have fun with God. And it's by being friends with God's friends. Be friends with God's friends. We've said it before, maybe you've heard me say it, that it's because it's not all fun and games that there should be fun and games Across all of our connection groups that you heard the host, Jan Springer, talk about earlier, we have groups that that get together maybe on a weekly basis and they dive deeper into their their Bibles and their relationships with one another. And those are more like study-based groups. And then we also have other kinds of groups that are, are gathering around hobbies or events or just around a coffee table. No matter what kind of group it is, we are constantly striving to introduce both vulnerability authenticity, being real with one another, and fun, lighthearted enjoyment. That's what we can see being friends with God's friends. Now, personally, I've found that the kind of life that I see in the people that I'm in connections with is contagious for me. I kind of become more and more like those people. And this is my story, my account of connections. Different people have different experiences and other life stages, but this is what I've experienced. When guys get together regularly for breakfast or coffee or or in the evenings, depending on the group, it's not real hard to find the humor. (laughs) 
Now, I'm not going to give you specifics because we honor the vulnerability and the confidence in in which we share things in these groups, but I can summarize it a bit. We easily find ways to admit, yeah, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed this week, (laughs) and kind of unpack that with one another. And you know what that does? When you do that on a regular basis, when you're real and you're vulnerable and you're telling stories from your life alongside one another, it, it allows you to realize, I need to not take myself, my successes or my struggles so seriously. The world doesn't revolve around me. And I'll tell you what, my family needs a little bit more of that from me because I can be a driver. I can be a a pressure-packed guy. I've I've said it before that my life can kind of be like like a pickup truck. I can be a little loose and squirrely unless you put some weight on me. Then I'll drive smooth. And yet when I get too immersed in that, when I find myself taking my successes or my struggles or anything in between, I find myself taking that too seriously I'm not able to engage with my family and have fun with them. I don't have the capacity to come home and just be real with my kids and have fun on their level. But see, it's the friends of God in this room and in this church family that show me and remind me what God is like and how we can have fun together and how we can relate to one another. It's the friends of God that remind me more of the kind of person God intends me to be. So thanks, guys. Thanks for being a friend of God and looking to him and trying to be more like him because as I do life alongside of you, it inspires me. It changes me and molds me to be more like him. That's what the friends of God do. We all look to him, we all wanna model him, and then we all increasingly become like him, having fun with the friends of God. So I'd like to bring our worship team back up and And generally at this point, we kind of pivot to having a more serious or solemn tone because at at the end of a message, as as we transition from message into prayer and worship, we tend tend to kind of deal with the weightier things of faith. And I get it, that's appropriate. Most of the time, that's the appropriate tone. But this weekend, I am just struck by the playfulness of God. I am just struck by the joy and the fun, the desires that our friend wants to have with us. Our friend that tells us, here's why you're not a servant anymore. I'm giving you the mission. I'm telling you what I'm about. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you, consider you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends. I want us to lean into this relationship with God as a friend. If you are someone that knows about God or has a a concept of God, but not God as your friend, you're honestly missing out on the party. And I don't want you to go one more moment without embracing that playful tug maybe even Jesus is doing on your heart to be your friend. So throughout this sermon series, we've invited people to to close our eyes and just be open to whatever it is he has for us and he wants to give us. And so I invite you to do that. Let's all close our eyes. Maybe in the stillness of this moment, 
you would feel the playful tug of Jesus on your heart drawing you closer, drawing you into friendship, one that sees you and accepts you and loves you right where you are. And for some reason, you've just resisted that kind of intimacy with him. Right now, you do not need to go one more moment without Jesus being your friend. So yes, maybe even with a smirk on your mouth because you can recall that funny little tune we shared at the very beginning. I invite everybody to open your palms. If you are open to friendship with God, simply open your palms. And with a right-sized cosmos holding God in our minds, we are awed and receptive that Jesus is my friend. And I want to invite you to say that phrase. Jesus is my friend. It's amazing, God. It's astonishing, and we worship you in light of that. Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org slash connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.